Thank you, Jesse. Great job, musicians. Thank you always for leading us so wonderfully in times of worship and celebration. Well, boy, the summer is flying by, and I couldn't help but think about that through Allison's prayer about how quickly this summer is passing by, and all the things that we've already been involved in here by July 22nd with Bible School and the uh, Good News Club that's going on, and the kids' camp, and all those things, and going off to Somersault and Kids Salt last week, and one mission team to New York, and another one leaving this week going to, to Trinidad, and uh, just so many things yet to take place before the summer is over. Boy, what a wonderful time we've been having. Well, this is the third week meeting here in the Fellowship Center. Uh, it's the third week on the sermon series on great and precious promises. So far we talked about claiming the promise of eternal life. Last week we talked about the promise of salvation. Today we're going to talk about the promise of the peace of God. The peace that comes from God. So let me ask you today, how many of you how many of you are here for worship today completely free of any kind of stress, anxiety, worry, fear of any sort? Anybody here completely free of that? Now, David Boss, there's something about sitting right down there. Lamont Long was in the first service. And both of those guys ride motorcycles and, and that kind of stuff. You know, I guess you have to if you're going to ride a motorcycle and do that kind of stuff. So get with Lamont Long or get David Boss because they just, you know, he's just chilling, man. That's, just, that's what Lamont said. Huh? Phyllis is out of town. Phil, oh, Phyllis is out of town. His wife is out of town. All right, everybody heard that. You're a witness to that. Blackmail won't work with him, okay? All right, I think, I think if we're honest about it. All of us would admit there are things that we come in here today with that we just, it's baggage we bring with us. There's some kind of anxiety, some kind of fear, some kind of worry in our life that's robbing us of the joy of our Christian life. Uh, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Philippians. And when Paul wrote that passage of Scripture in Philippians, we think that pretty much he was, a, he, he, he was in prison somewhere, more than likely under house arrest in Rome. And yet, everything that resonates through that writing is rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, have joy. And then we're going to look today about how he talks about have the peace of God and having peace of God as he went through those circumstances. And yet, you and I deal with stress and anxiety uh, fear and all kinds of things that rob us of the joy of the Lord and of the peace that God wants us to have. I read some statistics this week that said stress is taking a terrible toll on the nation's health and economy. More than 60% of all visits to doctors are for stress-related disorders. And job stress costs American industry more than $150 billion a year in absenteeism, um, lost productivity, and accidents. And every week, 112 million people, that's a lot of people, take medication for stress-related symptoms. So I want to ask you, uh, what kind of stress are you under today? Let's have another little quiz. Last week we had a uh, multiple-choice quiz, okay? This week we're going to have a fill-in-the-blank I want to see how well you can do. And I would admit, it might be a little dated because we're going to fill in the blank with uh, answering some questions, okay? Uh, completing some statements. So you young people, you might not be aware of these, but see if once the older people sitting around you know these, okay? I'm ready to throw in the towel. towel. I'm at the end of my... I'm just a bundle of... Wait a minute, say what again? Bundle of nerves. 
I don't know, what was that other word I heard? You're ruining the illustration. How about this one? My life is falling. I didn't say together. Good, okay. All right. I'm at my wits end. I'm about to come un... Okay. I feel like resigning from the human... Race, you got that. Is that how you feel today? No, not always. But you got some anxiety. You are not completely worry-free and, and, and completely free of any kind of anxiety. Um, something came to mind about Ann, Land, uh, yeah, Ann Landers um, this week. I did some research on, on her. And um, I, I don't know whether I learned it or uh, whether I, I, I learned it a long time ago. And by the time I'm at this age, I'd forgotten it. It was... Again, that excited me. But anyway, you know that um, Ann Landers and Dear Abby were twin sisters. They really were. Okay. And they wrote these advice columns like that. I think we got Dear Abby in the state, right? Okay. Um, Ann Landers. Ann Landers was syndicated around the world as well as, uh, as, her, as her sister, Dear Abby. And uh, at the height of her writing and, and answering questions, she received... 10,000 letters a month from people asking advice about various subjects. When I, occasionally, I read Dear Abby because it's there on the same page as the comics. And sometimes I read that and I'm thinking, really? You know, you got to write and ask about that? Um, but at one time, Ann Landers was asked, what is, what's the most common question that you get? What, what, what's the question you get the most for advice on? And she said this. She said, People seem to be afraid or worried about something. They're afraid of losing their health. They worry about their job. They're filled with concerns about their family. People are whacked out about their neighbors or frustrated with their friends. And a great preponderance of letters describe re relational ruptures and family friction. She said, in short, people are looking for peace but can't seem to find it. I think that describes the vast majority of people today. I think I see it everywhere I look. I think a great description of every one of us is we're like Martha. You remember the story with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus was in the house for the meal? What was Mary doing? Mary, Mary was seated at the feet of Jesus. What was Martha doing? She was running around anxious. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. One of the main things that chapter was that her sister was sitting down there and she's up doing all the cooking and cleaning and all this kind of stuff. And she said, make my sister get up and help me. Then Jesus said, she's chosen the better part, the good part, okay? So we're bothered by so many things. We're burdened by so many things, you know? And the reality is, what about all these things that give us trouble, that we worry about? Well, here's what research tells us. 40% of everything we worry about never take place. Now, the guy that really likes to worry will say, see, there it works, you know. <laughs> 30% are about past things that you don't have any control over. 12% come from criticism of other people, and you can't control that either. You just got to consider the source, right? 10% are about health issues. I'm really surprised it's that low. 8% are really kind of figured as being valid, genuine, legit reasons to be concerned, anxious, or bothered. So, 
oftentimes we say, well, I'm not really worried, I'm just concerned. So let me ask you, what, what are your greatest concern today? And, and how do we reconcile that with God promises us, us the gift of peace, his peace. Not peace with him, but, but the peace of God. So that's what we're going to be talking about claiming today. The peace of God is the answer to all of our anxiousness, our frustration, our worry, our over-concerned nature. Okay? Now, what we're not talking about is we're not talking about some kind of in, internal peace that you go through some kind of self a psychological evaluation, and then you discover your peace from within. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the peace with God. That comes through believing in Jesus Christ, in the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross, where he died in our place for our sins, and he satisfied the wrath of God because of our sin against God. And that's the only way that we can experience peace with God. Now, we'll say this, that... Peace with God is a prerequisite to having the peace of God. You need to understand that. So I will say to you today, I want you to hear it very clearly. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have not embraced him as Savior of your life, the forgiveness of your sins, if you've not entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ that gives you a relationship with God, then you need to make that decision first because that's the only way you can find and discover and experience the peace of God that he gives to us. So, what is this peace of God that he gives to us? Well, here's where we find it for today. And there are multiple places in the scriptures where we can find the promise of God's peace. But I chose this one for a particular reason. I'll tell you why in just a moment. We're going to look at Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. And remember, the Apostle Paul is under house arrest. Whether he's chained or not, we're not sure. He makes a, a, a reference to being chained, but we're not sure whether that's just figurative or whether it's actually true. Uh, but he was under house arrest. And again, there's that theme of joy that runs all the way through the book of Philippians. And so he comes to talk about the joy of having the peace of God. And he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, there's that phrase, then the promise, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, you, you get this? Yeah, I mean, Paul was there under house arrest. He couldn't leave. He could be worried sick about all kinds of things, worrying about how, how is the gospel doing out there? How, how are my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ doing? Are they standing up under persecution? Are they sharing their faith? Is the church growing? How is the church doing? He could have been concerned about his own fate, though I think he knew what it was when he went there. You know, he had all those burdens on him, and yet he talked about joy and rejoicing in the Lord, and he says then, do not be anxious about anything, but experience the peace of God. Why did I choose that particular verse? Well, I read something else this week that says that um, if you are, are an e-book reader, that Amazon tracks your highlights. Uh, they track your highlights. And they recently released a, a list of... Um, some of the most popular passages and some of the most popular books, best-selling books of today, like The Hunger Games, the Harry Potter series, and Pride and Prejudice evidently is making a resurgence again as a popular, popular book, okay? But also, Amazon released the most highlighted passage of Scripture. I would have thought that it would have been John 3, 16, 23rd Psalm or something like that, but it's not. 
The most highlighted passage of Scripture according to Amazon is what we read this morning. That's why it shows that passage. It's Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious for anything, but through prayer and supplication experience the peace of God that passes all understanding and let it guard your heart and your mind. If you want a good read, you want to read a good book, Max Lucado's book entitled Anxious for Nothing. Any of you read that? I finished it this week. As I was writing the message and reading the book, those two things went together. It's, it's a great book. Get it and read it. It might be in the library. You can check with that and see. Or yeah, you can ask me first. You can borrow my book, okay? But it's a great work on that. So how do we unpackage this passage of Scripture and come to, to the point where we can experience and live with and, and really enjoy the peace of God that is promised to us? Well, let's look at the passage of Scripture. First, we find that there is the prohibition against worry and anxiety. What does Paul say? He says, do not be anxious about anything. And I think he was pretty demonstrative about that when he penned those words. And his spirit was that way. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, there are some realistic, legitimate concerns and issues in life that we do need to address in the appropriate way. But the issue that Paul is addressing and that we're talking about today is excessive worry and anxiety. Excessive worry and anxiety. And even back then, we keep thinking, okay, our life is so complicated today. That's why we're all so uptight about everything and have so many concerns. And that's why we're anxious and bewildered and frustrated and confused. Nah, it's always been that way. You think back how simple life was in the biblical times when this was written. Why did Jesus have to give to us, in Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, and talk to us about this? He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. And, he's, and we need to hear him say again, Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? He said, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then listen to this singer. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Now, why would Jesus preach that sermon over 2,000 years ago? There was obviously a need for it. Even in that day without electricity and TV and cell phones and everything else we've got today, life was pretty stressed if you allowed it to get that way. And so Jesus goes on to say, you have little faith, stop, stop. So you do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? He said, for the pagans run after all these things. He said, you're no better than the pagans, even as a child of God, because you run after all these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. You see, Jesus knew that's human nature for us to get stressed out. And so he had to write about it, talk about it, and preach it in the greatest sermon ever preached, back in the Sermon on the Mount. So, why did Paul give us that prohibition against worry and anxiety? Let me give you three reasons why not to worry. Worry is wrong because worry puts the focus on the wrong issues. So if we worry and we're not looking at God, we're looking at whatever it is that's got us worried, whatever it is that's bothering us. We focus on that thing and we lose sight of what is really, really important. And what happens when you're so frustrated, you can't sleep, you can't eat, and you can't function well at work, you can't function well at home, you can't function with your family and all, you're missing the joy of the journey of life. That's why you're not supposed to worry. 
It will just absolutely sap the joy of life right out of your living. So it's, worry is wrong because it's a focus on the wrong issue. Secondly, worry causes us to lose sight of the one to whom we belong. That's so important for us. To whom do we belong? We belong to God through Jesus Christ. We belong to God through Jesus Christ. And, and what Jesus is saying there on that passage of, in the Sermon on the Mount about not worrying and all of that in seeking the kingdom first is, he's telling us that God is far more capable of taking care of us than we can do. And we need to remember that. He cares for the birds. He cares for the flowers and the animals. You ought to know he's going to take care of you. You're his creation. You're his child. He sent Jesus to die for you. He knows what's bothering you. He knows what your concerns are. So we need to remember that when we worry, we lose sight of the one to whom we belong. We shortchange God, really. That's what we're telling. That's what Jesus told him so many years ago, 2,000 years ago. You're shortchanging God. You know better than the pagans. And then third reason is because worry is an unproductive activity. This is NIV translation. Jesus said, who by worry can add a single hour to his life? Worry doesn't add to your life. It takes away from your life. You know why? It robs us of our energy. It's got negative effects on our health, such as blood, ulcers, blood pressure, heart problems, colon distress, headaches. You can't sleep because you're over-worried, over-anxious. You become irritable to be around. Nobody wants to be around you. So we need, to, we need to understand why we're told not to worry. It's not good for us. It's wasted energy. You can't add anything to your life, but it takes away from your life when you worry. That's the prohibition against worry. Now, the second thing we find here, as we unpackage it, is that we find the prescription uh, for dealing for worry and anxiety. Okay, the prescription for worry and anxiety. Paul tells us to combat worry and anxiety with prayer. Then he tells us how. He says, in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. When we are stressed and worried, fearful, Paul tells us to pray. And, and this spoke to me as a reminder, because he says, in everything, with prayer and petition. And I will confess to you, that there have been many times in my life, there have been some smaller things in life that I said, I can handle that. I'm not going to bother God with that. I'll just take the big things to him. That's not what God says for us to do, is it? The scriptures here say, in everything, take everything to God. It doesn't matter what you're worried about, what you're concerned about. Take it to God with prayer and petition with thanksgiving, presenting a request to God. Two things he mentions there in that prayer. Petition. What is petition? It's just simply asking of God. It's asking of God. He, he, he knows what's bugging us. He knows what's going on in our life. He knows what our needs are. He knows what we're struggling with. But he wants us to take it to him so that he knows that we know he knows, right? That's why he tells us to come to him with that. In another teaching on prayer, in Matthew 7, Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. 
So we're to take everything to God. Prayer is simply, petition is simply asking of God. Ask Him to help you with the issues that are giving you stress in this world. And then the other component that he mentions is thanksgiving. That's the other, other element. So we, we should never be presumptuous upon God's graciousness nor His goodness nor His generosity. Think about all the blessings that He's brought into your life. Now, whenever you're worried and, and, and anxious and fretful, you might want to simply make two columns on a sheet of paper. And on one side, put down what's bugging you, the things that you're worried about and stressed out. On the other, other column, start listing the blessings that God has given to you. And unless I miss my hunch, or unless you're not very closely related to God, and you don't have eyes, or, or, or you don't have a good memory, you don't have spiritual eyes, and don't have a good spiritual memory, the blessings are going to far outnumber your anxieties and your worries. Because you think about all that God has done for you, everything that he has done. Think about the prayers that he's answered. So you don't want to be presumptuous on his goodness. We want to come and give him thanks for that. Give him, express him that with thanksgiving. See, we thank God for who he is in our life. We come before him with humility and submissiveness. We ask for wisdom and power to deal with the issues of life. So to overcome word, the prescription is to pray and to pray in petition and to pray with thanksgiving. Now we come to the promise of peace. How do we claim the promise of peace instead of worry and anxiety? Listen to what Paul says. And the peace of God, after we really prayed, stopped our worrying, prayed, trusted God for that, given it over to God. He says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, that's a fantastic promise for today. That's a promise that I imagine every one of us in here today needs. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to understand something. We're not told that all of our problems will simply go away, that they'll vanish. We are not told that the problem won't even get worse before it gets better. But we are promised that when we pray this way and we experience the peace of God... All that internal churning of anxiety that's eating us up on the inside will pass away. Anxiety will give to a calm confidence because we're experiencing the peace of God. You see, what is it about turning to the Lord in worshipful, confident, and grateful prayer that brings about that calmness when our body and our soul is just churning so anxiously? Well, when we pray, as Paul tells us to do, we remind ourselves that God is capable of handling our situation and doing anything. We remember that we're in His hands, and we're in good hands. And when we remember what God is able to do, then it helps us to relax. When we pray, we remind ourselves of how caring God is. He knows our every need, and He seeks to meet our every need. He's not indifferent to what you're experiencing in life. And he's far more willing to help you than you are to ask him. And when we pray, we remind ourselves how wise God is. 
We remember that God has all knowledge and all wisdom, and we have to remember that he has a great plan, and somehow in the grand scheme of God's plan, whatever we're going through that causes us some worry or anxiety or some stress and some fear is for a reason. And God's going to take that for his glory and for our good. You see, that's that peace that transcends all understanding. Somebody asks you, are you experiencing the peace of God? And you say, yeah, I think so. I think I'm claiming that. Then they say, how about, how about explain that to me? What would you say? Well, here's what I'd say. You know what? I really can't explain it. You, you just have to experience it to know. And you can take them to this passage of Scripture and say, this is how you can know the peace of God. It's through prayer. Petition and thanksgiving. You make a request known to God. You, you, you open your life up to God. And the result of that is you get God's calmness coming into your life. You get the calmness of God's heart coming into your life somehow. You see, th th there's no anxiety in heaven. God looks down at everything that's taking place in this world, and he knows what's going on. And he's not up there wringing his hands. It's not out of control. It's not in chaos according to him. Because when it gets to that point, he does something about it. He's aware of everything going on in your life. He's aware of your greatest concern, whatever it might be. Your health, your parents' health, your children's health, your children going away for school for the first time. You know, your grief you're going through in the death of a spouse or, or your parent or, or somebody that close to you. You know, everything that's going on, whether it's a job struggle, a job situation, whether you've got a relationship that's become fractured with somebody, all of those things God knows about, and they're important to him. And when you're struggling with them, he promises his peace. It's the peace that transcends all understanding. It passes all understanding. And he promises that it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's another great verse. I think about this one in, in in um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 about peace. But I try every morning in my quiet time to claim Isaiah 26, 3. Are you familiar with that one? New International Version says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. King James says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee every morning every morning i try to incorporate that into my prayer when i'm asking for wisdom and strength and guidance for that day i pray father i want to walk in your perfect peace today and i said i know that you will give peace to the one whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you father i want my mind to be stayed on you and i want to trust you above anything else and when I really live what I've prayed, then I experience that peace. And it overcomes all my anxiety. And see, the promise of peace comes when we are focused on God more than the concerns in this life. You know, and and that's, what we, that's what we do when we turn everything over to God. We're reminded that God, who loved you enough to send his son, is not going to abandon you now or forever. 
We're reminded that God's wisdom is far superior to anything that the world can give to you. You're reminded of God's power that is far greater than any power. And it can change any circumstance. It can help you through any situation. And you're reminded that even in the worst of case scenario, whatever God chooses to bring into your life, that there is something greater to come. That's what the peace of God does for us as it transcends all understanding, passes all understanding. That somehow when we have that ability to turn everything over to him, trusting in him, and praying the way Paul tells us to do, then we have the calmness of God invading the turmoil of our life. And his peace and calmness is far superior to the turmoil in your life. And you will experience that peace of God. Now, my hope and prayer is that we make a practical application of this promise of the peace of God today. So I want you to think right now, and you already admitted you got some, everybody except David's got some sense of frustration and anxiety, right? We need to be worried and concerned for David because Phyllis is out of town. <laughs> but everybody's got something that you have. You've got to admit that. You've got something that's a burning issue for you. You might say, I, I'm not really worried about it. I, I'm just concerned. Well, whatever it is, however you want to phrase it. Okay, don't you think about that. What's, what's, your biggest, what's your biggest worry causer in your life right now? All right, you got it? I don't, I don't know it, but you have to know that, okay? God knows it. Ask him to help you remember what it is if you can't remember, okay? Now let's bow. Let's bow, and let's practice this prayer. You pray it in your heart to God, and you say something like this. God, you know the anxiousness I have in my life. You know the worry and the fretting that I'm going through. You know the anxiousness in my life. And Father, I want to I turn that over to you. I give it up to you now. It's this situation, and you fill in the blank. So you take a moment or two right now, and you turn that worry and the anxiety over to God right now. Father, you've heard the prayers of your people here at Spring Valley. They shared with you their greatest concern that they have right now, the biggest things causing them worry and anxiety and perhaps fear in their life and sapping the, the joy of the relationship with you and your peace out of their life. So I pray now that as they offer this up to you, that you'll be faithful and true to the promise of your word and that you'll take this concern from them 
And in the place of that anxiety, you will grant them the calmness of your very presence, the calmness of your heart. You will grant to them the peace that passes all understanding, that transcends all understanding. And their hearts and their minds will be guarded by your peace as they move forward in life, living for your glory. And I pray all these things in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.